everybody and welcome to the Cane and Rinse podcast, volume 7, issue 320, in honour of the 40th anniversary of the Mighty Space Invaders. We have some other cracking games coming up on the show though, more recently released than Taito's Legendary Space Invaders. We have Pikmin, also Zone of the Enders, then continuing our series of Final Fantasy games, we have four the first of the Super Nintendo games. After that, we turn our attentions to the Resident Evil remake of 2002, which has also been remastered, of course. You can play that on a bunch of systems. And then it's Shovel Knight, far more recent game. CanaRinse.com, as always, is the place to go for the schedule and other things such as blog articles and links to our social spaces and forum. You can subscribe to our Patreon, patreon.com slash for a dollar a month. Even just that minimum amount gets you every new show a week early and an exclusive monthly minicast. But you can donate more if you wish, and it all helps us keep on doing what we are doing. You can also donate via PayPal. We have a button on the site if you just want to make a one-off donation. Don't forget, we have another podcast as well. If you like that one, do recommend listening to Wednesday's Sound of Play where we feature video games music and talk about the games that the music comes from as well. Subscribe, review and rate both of the podcasts wherever you can get them and follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. Now we have a lot to get through. So joining me, Leon Cox, in issue 320 are Carl Moon. Hey guys. Defending the moon from the invaders, Mikhail Croder. And he died. And Dan Clark. We've got the old boys back together again, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. We've, we've added this, the, the, the relative whippersnapper who is Carl. Um, he's, he's that Long time since I've been called that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so what is Space Invaders? The crazy thing is, of course, uh, there's bound to be a lot of articles and retrospectives and features and items and videos all around Space Invaders over the next uh, couple of months or so because the game turns 40 uh, in Japan, in its native country anyway, there is, of course, the very likely chance that, as with at least one of the panel on this show, one of you listeners, some of you listeners, won't have been born when Space Invaders came out. Undoubtedly, you'll be familiar with probably the sounds, the look of it, the iconography, and the basic concept, but we should say it is a single-screen static that is, no scrolling, of course. Uh, you could call it a shoot 'em up although you only ever have one bullet on screen at the same time. You control left, right and fire. Uh, you control a what is called officially, I think, a laser base, uh, which fires one missile at a time, as I say, from what was originally the moon surface as depicted by some art, but not graphics in the game. Some actual, uh, it was projected onto some art. We'll talk about that. Uh, sheets of 55 descending and blasting away invaders uh, made up of three main types plus sporadic appearances from the bonus UFOs and the entire grid of aliens moves from side to side and uh, as it hits the edge it drops down and descends towards your bases and if they reach the very bottom it's game over and uh, not only that but uh, they get faster as, uh, as you shoot more of them. Uh, and that's uh, that came about as an interesting technical accident. So we'll talk about that as well. Uh, one other feature are the destructible barriers behind which you can take cover. This is the first cover based shooter as far as I know. <laughs> um, you have four blocks which can be chipped away at by enemy fire and indeed your own fire. A lot of strategies involve blasting a hole through the uh, the the 
these barriers so you can shoot from from underneath them and i still yeah it's still surprising how sort of um granularly they destruct given the age of the game i think uh but yes we'll talk more about that before our histories i wanted to start with this wonderful piece from simon sloth on the cana rinse forum who says space invaders holds an interesting place in my heart notably it is the arcade game that i've played the most but even more poignantly it's important to me because it nearly stopped me from being born Around the time my mother and father met, they went away on holiday to the French coast, around about the time of the 70s Space Invaders craze. This was ill-timed, to say the least, as rather than wooing my mother, my dad spent the majority of his time playing Space Invaders in the nearby cafe. This was a relationship in its infancy, so offers of breakfast in bed were a natural part of early romance. However, proposed early morning trips to the boulangerie or patisserie were actually excuses to head to the arcade machine with his friend, who was on the same holiday. Fortunately, just before my mum's patience had been completely exhausted, my dad topped the scoreboards, something he boasts about even now. Thus, they ended up getting married and thankfully I was created. If this were Back to the Future, the film, all anyone would have to do would be to set a higher score than my father could attain and I would vanish from existence. My dad is one of those people that wouldn't describe himself as a gamer in the traditional sense, but in the right environment he gets hooked. So on every family holiday, the bleeps and bloops of the Space Invaders machine would end up in a score attack contest among my dad, my brother and I. Aside from Turrican, this is probably the only game I can put my hands up and say my dad is better at than me. Admittedly, the home version of the game can only hold my attention for a few minutes, but put me on a family holiday in an arcade and it'll turn into a competition complete with heckling and obvious cheating. Fantastic. (laughs) A tale of conception... (laughs) <laughs> yeah. based around based around a, a relic of a video game I love and it. i'm pretty sure one of the the billions the the incalculable billions of uh unofficial clones of space invaders involved firing uh sperm out of penises or <laughs> or possibly vice versa i can't remember nice <laughs> so uh yes taito the developer uh since subsumed into the square enix uh behemoth i suppose you could call that uh, the game was published by Taito itself in Japan, but in uh, North America it was Midway, made them a lot of money too. In Europe you could find some Midway cabinets and some Taito cabinets, and in Australia it was Leisure and Allied Industries. The designer we'll hear a lot more from is Tomohiro Nishikado. He was born in Osaka on March 31st, 1944. He was an audio engineer before joining Taito in 1969. Uh, early works included some of their mechanical uh, games including a light gun game called Ghost Gun and an aeroplane shooter, Sky Fighter. These are games, these are not video games, these are games that are actual machines. Uh, then he moved on to Ellie Pong, which was Taito's own attempt at sort of cashing in on the Pong craze in 1972. He produced over 10 video games before Space Invaders. I mean, that in itself seems sort of staggering really (laughs) Um, because for a lot of us Space Invaders although I literally know it wasn't it was it was tantamount to the first video game that I gave too much I mean I knew Pong you know I I knew about other things but Space Invaders was kind of the one Uh, he also worked before Space Invaders on sports games such as Davis Cup obviously a tennis game and soccer as well as Speed Race Western Gun uh, also known as Gunfight which was uh, also quite a success and a game called Interceptor later on he has some credits in games you may be more familiar with including Chase HQ 2 Special Criminal Investigation Darius 2 Darius Twin Parasol Stars The Story of Bubble Bobble 3 Lufia and the Fortress of Doom Sonic Blast Man 2 and even Puzzle Bobble 2 in 1995 he's not done too bad for himself has he let's be honest he did all right 
hasn't been you know thoroughly involved in games design for a long long time now but uh, he's he made his mark he left he left quite a mark shall we say uh, so inspirations have been cited as a number of different things. If you read different interviews, you'll get different answers. He's quite, I don't know if it's deliberate coyness or whether it's memory or whether it, it was just a case of it was multiple aspects that all came together. Uh, so Taito released a mechanical game called Space Monsters back in 1972 and Space Monster was Space Invaders working title. And as far as Nishikado is concerned, that's what it should have said, uh, stayed. He says, the name Space Invaders wasn't created by me, actually. The title I originally had was Space Space Monster. However, the game was com- after the game was completed, management told me they wanted to change it to Invader. I don't really understand the reason why, but there was nothing I could do about it. Monster and Invader have the same number of letters, so it wasn't a difficult thing to switch out in the programming. But then from overseas, we were asked to make it plural, Invaders. Adding that extra letter meant changing the programming, and it was a real pain. Hmm. <laughs> Other inspirations, obviously video games. Uh, he definitely cites uh, Wozniak's Breakout. Um, the idea was that here it was a game that instead of a bat and a ball, you had a ship, and instead of bricks, you had enemy spaceships that fought back. Yeah, it was also the mainly the um, the movement of your player-controlled entity, right? The, yeah, the left, yeah. Left to right, bottom screen movement. The horizontal movement, yeah. Yeah. But they, this time they gave you a fire button, and that was a genuine, as, again, as a, as a kid growing up in the 70s, and you didn't get to interact with many electronic or digital things, just pressing a fire button and seeing you know, something emit from the screen and happen was that much more exciting than merely batting a ball around in Pong or Breakout, as far as I was concerned. Uh, Gunfight was a previous Taito game, which was uh, Wild West themed. Obviously, that was an inspiration. Uh, he, he's mentioned in at least one interview about a dream regarding Japanese schoolchildren waiting for Santa Claus being attacked by invading aliens. Uh, he mentions the uh, 70s sci-fi anime Spaceship Battleship, Space Battleship Yamato, my mistake, uh, which was remade a few years ago. Uh, and sometimes he mentions H.G. Wells' War of the Worlds and particularly the look of the uh, the creatures be looking like they're from, from the undersea, which also has a, a nod to the Lovecraft about them, the idea of these uh, sort of um, invertebrate octopusy type things coming from beyond the cosmos. I also think there's a link with Darius's or uh, Taito's other um, shoot 'em up uh, series, Dar- Darius with fishy aliens. Yeah, yeah, definitely right. Uh, depending which interview you read, uh, he contradicts himself on this, but Star Wars may or may not have been an influence. Obviously, it was massive from 1978 onwards uh, around the world. It certainly it would have made sense that that was an influence on a sci-fi themed game but early enemy designs included tanks planes and battleships uh nishikado wasn't satisfied with enemy movements uh, meaning that uh, they were jerky basically and he thought that uh, the flying ships didn't look like they were flying um so nishikado drew inspiration from hg world's war of the worlds creating those famous initial bitmap images after the octopus-like aliens uh, and others included squids and crabs. Game design and hardware development, because of course you had to do that at the same time, was <laughs> took around one year. And the game came out in June 1978, hence us recording this podcast now. It took about a month to get over to America. Uh, it was a vertical-orientated uh, monochrome screen with a 224 by 256 pixel resolution. Uh, The 
cabinet initially was only the, in the upright uh, variety. Later, uh, cocktails came along. Um, so these are black and white games. But uh, if you're as old as I am, you'll remember seeing the original versions, which had coloured cell- strips of coloured cellophane to simulate uh, colour, basically. To, they were overlaid over the screen. Um, and the screen, you also, you didn't play on the screen. And this was common for a lot of arcade games at the time. You were actually playing, looking at a mirror off the screen, which was the scr- the, the monitor was down below in the cabinet and it was, pl- it was uh, played in reverse, displayed in reverse and then reflected up onto the screen. Uh, and so they could put these strips of coloured cell uh, over the over the gameplay area uh, initially they just used orange and green but later they would use uh, horizontal rainbow stripes and you can see the effect of this in the invaders part two which was color yeah mental <laughs> when you think about it yeah it uh, reminds me of my uh, my vectrex which has uh, cellophane screen overlays to, to simulate color as well yeah of course yes yeah you could um did they, they came with the game in that case didn't yeah they? yeah exactly yeah yeah, which made perfect sense. So, some early memories from you, gents. Like I've I've said many times before, I think that it is. While I I definitely did have some contact with earlier games, and also I have certain amount of um, fuzziness because hey, it was forty years ago and I was six years old uh, when I played Asteroids, when I played Galaxian. Um, but I'm pretty sure I did play Space Invaders before I played those slightly more sophisticated games because I remember it being yeah just exciting and i do remember not being able to see the screen because i was so short and having to clamber up on a bar stool uh, and all that sort of thing um but yes it was genuinely quite ubiquitous in pubs and clubs and social bars um and as a 70s kid you would get taken to those places um regardless of whether they were child friendly or not (laughs) And, and um yeah left to hang out and obviously sometimes while the parents wanted to drink and smoke and talk you would get plopped on the arcade cabinet and you tried to make your your 20p last as long as you possibly could so who's next oldest mikhil i think is that right i'm not sure if dan's older uh let's go let's go. dan you're i guess you go you go next <laughs> um, your early memory now i don't know if my earliest memory is of the atari 2600 version or the arcade version it kind of all melds into one really but um i think it would be the arcade version in uh, the local swimming pool next to the bovril machine of course. Um, and I always remember it being sort of crowded round by teenagers who like, I thought were obviously like real big grown-ups at that point. I was oh, yeah. only been scary like five or six. Yeah, and it was um, always the scary kids on it. But every now and then, like if you went on, say, like a Sunday morning or a, I don't know, like a Monday afternoon, there wouldn't be anyone there. So I'd, um, I'd either like, watch my dad have a go or have a go myself or we'd both play it together. Um, and... I think I don't know if it's that, um, like you say, the mirrored screen, but there's something about it that was always a bit spooky, and I suppose the sound helps with yeah. that as well. And um, the cabinet art, yeah, yeah, all of it is. Um, <laughs> it just really stands out as, uh, again, even if it's not the first game I played, it, like you say, it has the feeling of being <laughs> the first game I played. The whole the whole experience was genuinely. Um, I mean, it was. It, it is going to be very hard to sell to people who are much younger than us, and whose gaming experiences have been very different growing up with even even if they even if you started um maybe even in the 8-bit era um you know in the in the in the mid 80s the actual the sensation as a six-year-old child who was you know mad for star wars and whatever else and um walking into a room and seeing this cabinet that was twice as high as you with these massive black invaders on the side 
and uh, this you know this exciting name and this bright yellow uh, text it 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 felt like it was it, it was intimidating and it was scary but it also felt like in some ways it was for you it was like the thing that you were a child of the you know the video game age the sci-fi mm. age and star wars was out and that was for you as a you know as a as an impressionable yeah. uh, five year old kid or whatever and it just all it just all made sense and and you know i'm talking to i didn't contribute to the craze that was space invaders cuz i just put like 20p in it every once every few weeks or whatever because that's the age I was at least at that point so this was appealing not only to kids as as young as us but also to yeah as we heard there you know young young adults yeah. um, possibly even slightly older young adults as well Pong would be something that your parents would play and Space Invaders is uh, yeah. definitely feels more geared towards a younger audience um, so, yeah, uh, Carl, you are you weren't born, I don't think, when Space Invaders came no. out. No. Um, so, but I think it's probably good to uh, it. Sort of, it, it speaks to how sort of um, how how it prevailed, how it persisted. Um, the fact that I, no doubt you remember it from your your young days in the arcades, which would have been, I guess, getting on for ten years after the game came out. Yeah. So um, I think. I was around four when I was starting to go to the arcades quite regularly, um, and this was both sort of in the north of the country and the south of the country. Now, you mentioned earlier about it being in sort of the pubs and the clubs, and my dad used to play snooker a lot in the in the leagues around here, so you'd go in the clubs and you had the option of either playing um, pool or the uh, gambling machine because no one cared that a kid played them back in 1988 Um, you know there was no real age limit on that or you played the Space Invaders cabinet that was in the corner Um, and then both my granddads sang the club scene so if I was ever out there with family and they were singing again that didn't interest me so you played the Space Invaders cabinet and that is outside of the arcades that I was in so we're talking 10 years later a well established game uh, both the stand up and sit down units uh, original art units that were well worn um, the, the cigarette burns in them the, you know, the, the, the slightly browning and peeling artwork or you had them in these um, sort of hybrid cabinets with just the red and blue lines up and down them kind of thing uh, but it was just everywhere. Now, I don't know if this was the first game I ever played, but I mm. know it's definitely among the first handful. Um, and in yeah. terms of sort of being iconic, you know, we've mentioned, especially with yourself, Leon, that the idea that when you enter an arcade, there are certain things that pull your attention. And to this day, Space Invaders is still one of those ones. When you hear that sound effect, you know exactly what it is. And, I mean, we're talking iconic to the level of Pac-Man's uh, waka waka with the space Invi- space invaders death sound and the shooting sound and um, as a kid as a four year old kid there is nothing more appealing than these sound effects going off and standing at these cabinets and slapping the old arcade style buttons for shoot you know shooting and feeling that panic as the invaders speed up. And I can't remember a game before putting me under that level of pressure at a young age. And I think that this must have been one of the key things that got me really hooked on what video games could do. Because it was that sort of that pressure at four year old and desperately begging for the next 10 pence. Because it was only 10 pence at the time when I was in there. It was 10 years old. Um, And just asking my grandmother or or my parents, look, can I have one more, one more kind of thing? And it was... 
that that was me kind of hooked. Space Invaders is like one of those key essential arcade games, and this is prior to the sort of influx of the 90s machines you know when street fighter started to make a mark and and final fight and stuff this was like the one that was the prelude before all those for me that you know you had your uh, space invaders or you break out on a hybrid unit these kinds of things and space invaders in the arcade is still something that is I, I need to play it if I see that unit. And I go to Whitby every so often, and they've got one of the brand new sit down ones with a big flat panel mm. screen that you shoot in these big sort of, um, they, they look like giant water cannons almost. That yeah. You shoot, you know, laser shooters. I had a look at this on, on YouTube. I, yeah. I was un, un, unaware of it until recently. And it's absolutely huge. And it's in one of the arcades in Whitby. And I, you know, I, I've had a go on it, and I st- stand there and I watch other people have a go on it. And people are still drawn to something that Space Invaders does. I think it's just one of those games that, you know, no, no matter how far on we go, there's something that's so appealing about that 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 core gameplay mechanic that I'm, like, I'm 34 years old now. I was, so for 30 years, Space Invaders has been a thing in my life, and I still get joy watching kids play the new version. It's not necessarily the version we knew, but it's still Space Invaders to look at, and I just think it, it's it's great to see people coming into the arcades, which are obviously a far-gone dying thing in this country, um, but to see them go on a Space Invaders game of all the things, it, it makes me smile in the arcade. I do find it slightly surprising that you were still so drawn to it, because I, I remember uh, we're just about to hear from, from Flavio from the forum who... who says a, expresses a similar sentiment which is that once obviously space invaders i was yeah hugely excited by it and i did you know i did continue to return to it now and again but by the time the 80s came around the mid 80s especially and the arcade games were you know so much more sophisticated looking colorful music all that kind of stuff um even really once galaxian came along with its multicolored aliens that swooped and uh, even more sophisticated sound and that sort of thing like space invaders did carry a certain cachet but it was it was a tough sell for me for me 10 p's when there were things that were so much you know it, it didn't take long before space invaders was huge completely eclipsed on a technical level I think I used to go back to it in kind of a retro kind of level, even yeah. though like at those times, I know it's not like retro like we think of it now, but um, those when they used to keep like everything gets shoved to the back of the arcade, I suppose, as yeah. time goes on. And um, there used to be a certain joy in going to the, the area where there would be like your Frogger and your Pac-Man and your yes. Space Invaders, just Absolutely. to spend a little bit of time going back to the things you'd enjoyed even Nostalgia just a few years before. Two years or three yeah. years ago. But as we as we often point out, like two or three years to a nine-year-old is half your life ago, you know, or yeah. a third of your life ago, or whatever. So it feels like, yeah, going going back in time for sure. It's probably fair to say that Space Invaders very quickly got uh, upstaged by Galaxian and Galaga uh, yeah. later on. But um, if I've been thinking about it this quite a bit uh, recently, if you compare those uh, those games, and I think where Space Invaders still holds pull is that it's decidedly more menacing than Galaxian or Galaga uh, Mm. because of the downward movement of the aliens and they're inching closer and closer towards you. Whereas in uh, Galaxia and Galaga, they sort of nicely hover around in formation and make dive bomb formations at you. But they're, you know, and this is something we'll probably get into more, but 
it's entirely possible to lose space invaders even before your li- your lives run yeah. out. <laughs> it, yeah. It's that it, panic it of intense. trying to regain control. I think that's the one thing that continually pulled me back to the game. Aside mm. from the actual the weighting of the side to side horizontal movement, which I was an absolute sucker for, um, but the fact that it it felt like I was always trying to do better than the last time I played it, because this was a brutally difficult game at four. So when I would play it at six, I was a bit better. When I was at eight, I was better. And I was, it yeah. was still that ever everlasting challenge of how difficult Space Invaders yeah. becomes. I still suck at it. And I, I was going to mention this, actually, because one of the things we've, uh, we, you know, we tried to do as far as is, is always possible is we always talk about completing games uh, before, before talking about them. Uh, now, with certain games, there's no completion state, and that's true, really, with Space Invaders. But, uh, uh, you know, in terms of, um, it, obviously, we had to cover it. It's 40 years old, and it is, you know, probably one of the most important video games ever made. Uh, but I don't think I've ever got past about Sheet 4. You know, it's, it's really hard. <laughs> It's um, really brutal. I was playing last night on the Xbox 360 version, which is, uh, which was actually DLC for Space Invaders Extreme. It was the original two coin ops, and yeah, second second sheet kills me because I'm I'm so rusty at it. Um, Same here. And yeah, so which makes perfect sense. Um, we'll talk about difficulty as well later but i just wanted to just wanted to establish that, that none of us here are um, like somehow somehow world record holders on space invaders or or anything like that when uh, space invaders was released it was only two months after my two-year younger brother uh was born so as for my memories and recollections um it's all very vague and misty but it's I'm, i recall at least one time uh, playing or seeing uh, one of those cocktail cabinets, the the, the flat ones, and um, I must have played it uh, numerous numerous times on either the Atari Twenty Six Hundred or the Atari Seventy Eight Hundred uh, mm. version yeah. of a, a neighborhood kit. Uh, and yeah, but it's it's one of those games that really never went away. Yeah, absolutely. We'll we'll go into those later. And I also wanted to say one of my strong memories of playing Space Invaders was not playing Space Invaders, but playing some kind of knockoff clone. Um, there was one you were talking about your granddad singing. My granddad used to play piano and and sing as well. And um, I used to go to the pub in Sussex here, the Six Bells in Chidding Live, very famous old pub. And for a few years, they had a what they called, what everyone in the place called Space Invaders. And yes, Space Invaders was one of those terms that became a generic coverall for video gaming for the longest time and still does, I think. Sometimes you hear it from, particularly from older people, you hear, uh, you know, playing Space Invaders and they mean any video game. But this this cabinet, it had, um, it, it, it was, yeah, it was a clone. It was, it was a clone. It was monochrome, but it was kind of, um, it was like uh, the sort of orange and black kind of colored screen and uh it was it it ran faster than space invaders there were more bullets on screen i remember but it wasn't as kind of neatly designed didn't have the uh, didn't have the sound up at all i don't think had really crummy gaming type it it, i think it might have been cannibalized out of a fruit machine or something because it was three buttons rather than a joystick and buttons and the buttons felt like kind of fruit machine buttons so but i didn't care i was playing space invaders as far as i was concerned i knew it wasn't i knew it wasn't the real one, but I was still playing a video game, which again, at the age of seven or something, was not something I could do easily in my own home because you know we we weren't blessed with tons of money to buy like the grandstand um, multi video game system type things that they had. So yeah, it was it was exciting. And yes, as a, as I say, there are 
literally more clones than we could ever possibly cover so we are just covering official games that have the name and uh, and maybe a couple of games that were strongly influenced by but you could argue that pretty much every game with shooting in came after space invaders but then gunfight came first so but uh, but i did just want to hear this this view from flabio who says uh, i'm not quite old enough for this to have been my first experience of a video game that would have been galaxian or scramble I never much liked it as a kid as a result. I'd already played better stuff and even only a couple of years later it seemed pretty dated compared to everything else in the arcade. The pace the tech moved then was insane. Things that were impossible. One quarter would be passé by the end of the next. It's an important game but I suspect that if it hadn't come along something else would have and that would have had the popularity that this had. We were at the confluence of tech and culture where video game arcade machines were going to be a thing whoever it was that struck big first. I don't know. We can only... I, part of me thinks that's right from Flabio, but then part of me also thinks that sometimes these things have to be a very particular set of circumstances and it had to be this particular game with this particular theme and this particular set of sound effects to to have the massive impact that it did. But who we, we will never know. Yeah, if it wasn't Space Invaders, then uh, video games might have evolved or looked quite a bit different from... Uh, That's from, what I think. From, from what yeah, we, we don't know that we would have the got the later yeah. Galaxian or Gallagher if we hadn't had Space Invaders in the first place. Exactly. Then the whole the entire genre of shmups and then third person and cover based and the you know, the the obsession with first person. Like there's an argument which because humans always make violent games, even chess is a simulation of war and whatever, uh, that we would have gone down that route ultimately. But the fact that this massive breakout hit was a was a space shoot 'em up kind of did lead the industry down a certain path. And I think we do yeah. still feel its impact today. Um, but yes, it may, it could have been if, if they'd had as big a hit with the tennis game, maybe we'd only be playing sports games now. Whereas tennis <laughs> games, they've just released two at the time of recording, summer 2018, both very low budget, mediocre looking entities. And um, yeah, we're playing, we're still playing shoot 'em ups So yeah, the reception as well as the, the, the financial uh, part, which we'll come to, uh, it won game of the year at the first arcade awards top arcade game from the guinness book of world records uh, the times once called it uh, the most influential video game ever uh, sort of backing up what we were just saying uh, it was inducted in the video game hall of fame as recently as 2016 which seems about 30 years too late to me i don't know when that started though uh, several publications ascribe the expansion of the game industry from a novelty into a global industry to the success of Space Invaders, uh, attributing the shift of games from bars and arcades to more mainstream locations like restaurants and department stores. The game's success is also credited for ending the first uh, big video game crash of 1977 and beginning the golden age of video arcade games. And uh, yeah, Shigeru Miyamoto, Hideo Kojima, John Romero, John Carmack all cite Space Invaders as being significant or pivotal in their early experiences of gaming. Warren Spector says, Space Invaders and games like it represent the roots of everything we see today in gaming. It represents the birth of a new art form, one that literally changed the world. Space Invaders is important as an historical artefact, no less than the silent films of the early 20th century or early printed books. Nishikado says, the designer, over the years I've seen how Space Invaders helped grow the video game industry and inspire younger designers. I'm proud of its huge impact, even if I still can't clear the first stage. 
Uh, in the first few months following the game's release, the game became very popular. Specialty arcades opened, sometimes called uh, Space Invaders cafes. They were often uh, refitted pachinko parlours and bowling alleys, and they were filled with nothing but Space Invaders cabinets. By the end of 1978, Taito Tito had installed over 100,000 machines and grossed over $600 million dollars in Japan alone. However, the often repeated uh, coin shortage stories are a myth. Any shortage of coins at the time was due to a reduction in production of coins during 78 and 79. Uh, but even a shortage can't justify the claims about behind this myth because, of course, uh, you don't run out of coins when they're being put into vending machines. They stay in circulation. So it's uh, it doesn't actually stand up to logic. Um, yeah, simply put, the idea of Japan running out of coins due to the popularity of Space Invaders fails to hold up. The way that any coin-operated uh, machine operates ensures, ensures that coins remain in circulation. Uh, when the game machines were emptied of the coins they collected, they would have simply and immediately made their way back into circulation, thus preventing any shortage of coins. Not even into wider circulation com. as well. It's, um, it's They're mostly going to stay in that one arcade, aren't they? given out as change yeah. to the next next person who yeah. gives their note yeah absolutely but it's a fun, it's a fun story that will no doubt still be repeated until the end of time within two years taito had sold over 300,000 space invaders arcade cabinets in japan and 60,000 in the u.s don't know about the rest of the world during the height of its popularity, ailments such as Space Invaders Elbow and Space Invaders Wrist were being reported in the press. In Japan, soon after the game's release, a 12-year-old boy held up a bank with a shotgun. He didn't want notes. He told the clerk, just coins. Under interrogation, he admitted that he wanted the money to play Space Invaders. In England, November 1981, so already a couple of years after the game landed here, a 14-year-old schoolboy prostituted himself in a parking lot for £2. This was enough he quantified for 10 games of Space Invaders. I'm going to say it wasn't worth it. Labour MP George Fulkes, fearing for the glazed eyes of youngsters, lobbied to subject the game to local authority regulation in Parliament. Does this sound familiar to you? Here we are, 40 years later. Same sh uh, shoes. Um, yeah, so we've sort of talked about the Cabinet uh, and the famous art. So uh, apparently the, uh, the art kind of relates to the fact that it was called Space Monsters in development. Um, hence the big monsters not looking really anything like the kind of squiddy octopody things that come down the screen at you. Uh, but never mind. Um, I remember, I'm sure I remember some official cabinets which didn't have a, a lever or joystick but had left, right and fire buttons. But I'm not sure if that was... Maybe maybe they were lacking parts and they just because obviously it doesn't really make much difference. Uh, does anyone else remember playing a buttoned cabinet or was it always yes. a joystick? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure I've I do. definitely played the buttons ones, um, and they also tended to have like two player, like in, in terms of the cabinet design. So I'm not right. entirely sure how official they were, but it was the general you would see only buttons kinds. It was like the old hit. It was like hitbox joysticks now, but. 30 years yeah. ago for cabinets, so I'm not yeah. sure how truly official they were, hmm. um, but definitely saw them around a lot. Yeah, there was a certain amount, as, a, as I mentioned, the ridiculous buttons on the other thing I was playing, there was always a certain amount of um, cannibalisation and there was always that anticipation going up to any coin-op back in the arcade days that would, you know, would it be functioning fully correctly? And if it wasn't, yeah. did, were you brave enough to go and see the man and say, 
this, Mister, this one's not working properly. Uh, you know, and uh, it stole my conversation. Stole my tempi. How many times? Yeah, um, but sometimes it would just be like that. The left was intermittent, and you'd be worried that if you tried to show, you tried to show him, it would not. It would be that annoying situation where the fault wouldn't replicate so you're like it just looks like you're trying to swizz them out of a free go or whatever um yeah i was never too uh confident with that kind of things but other kids were always asking for free goes and and whatever else clarky from the forum says being 27 i well and truly missed the boat having said that it was 2014 and i had the offer to buy the arcade cabinet it wasn't working but the cab itself had charm it was art beautiful it's a Taito cab, complete with fag burns. In other words, character. Two years passed and I finally decided to fix it. After a huge learning curve and paying for help, at last she was working. Once those lights fired up, pure beauty. The illuminated moon is one of the most spectacular things I've seen in any arcade. If I'm honest, I didn't think I would play the game today, but with the cab I find myself playing every day, even if only for a while. And anyone who comes over can't resist a go, a testament to a game that's 40 years old. Amazing. But for me, the real star isn't the game, it's the cabinet. Gameplay was simple, so you had to attract the player. And oh boy, did Space Invaders do that. Beautiful. It's the pool of an uh, actual arcade cabinet, huh? the enhancement yeah. that that brings. So much different than when I played the original game on uh, Taito Legends on, uh, you know, with, a, with a PS2 controller. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think it's it's one of those things I've mentioned before where uh, we had so many knockoffs, if you will, on the Amiga, um, mm. which I was fortunate mm. to get in sort of the late 80s. And despite having a copy of the game, you know, inverted commas, uh, yeah. that there was still something special about pumping 10 and 20Ps into the arcade cabinet of something you had at home. It was just different. It felt so much better and a lot of it was the joystick and the buttons and the cabinet and the attraction and the sound and the you know the hustle bustle going around you and that definitely drawn of tempe yeah and yeah and and just uh, it, it's just a magic period of time that nothing's ever going to be able to capture again of playing games in that environment um but yeah definitely as a kid there was just something that i would you'd, you'd get it off your grandparents or your you know your parents you've got this one at home i was like i don't care i want the money can i please have some money please I'll, and then it was like i'll I'll wash the dishes or i'll do something like i'll do the hoovering anything to get like a 10 pence fix on space invaders well worth uh, it <laughs> an absolutely. hour of hoovering for two minutes of space invaders yeah uh, well, we must talk about the the visuals some more. Um, so Tomohiro Nishikado designed the sprites himself. Uh, I guess he didn't probably... Uh, I know he didn't do the cabinet art. I guess he probably didn't do the moon that the game was projected onto either. But um, but he did do the sprites. And uh, we have a little scan here. You could, it's, it's available out there. I've seen it published various times of his um, sort of drawings of quite cute um, alien-looking creatures. Uh, you'll see the likes of these make appearances in, in games forever after this. Um, the little uh, jellyfishy one looks like something out of Metal Slug 3 and um, the UFOs are just completely iconic. They already were. This famous, you know, thing by this stage after the kind of um, heights of the, the UFO craze from, I guess, the 50s and uh, in America in particular. Um, but there over on, on the next page, you've got his actual sprite designs. Now, these sprites, uh, we use the term iconic a lot on Kano Rinse. <laughs> and sometimes it's, you know, it's probably a stretch or it's iconic within its sphere, iconic within gaming. Space Invaders, the, the look of the individual invaders 
I would say they are truly icons of our time. Yeah, they're as they iconic are, yeah, they're as anything. Literally, literally icons. They are, and they're ubiquitous. And they are. There's an emoji. There was a short. I mean, they are a shorthand for video games. For even now, forty years on, even though you wouldn't necessarily get a sprite in a game that looked, uh, you know, the, in these these small blocky dimensions, um, there was a, a thing. You know, every, pretty much every kind of uh, official or unofficial uh, video game site back in the in the 2000s and early 2010s had an invader we had one on our site back in the day um it was just like how do you identify yourself as a video game thing you either you either copy a space invader sprite or you make something that's a couple of pixels different and um and i don't know if i like i'm surprised actually square enix don't seem to have kind of clamped down on this you'd think that they could use their resources to actually you know kind of um uh, protect their intellectual property a bit more, but I think maybe that maybe it's just so out there now. It would just be it's like you know the the Rubicon has been passed. You cannot reclaim your invaders. <laughs> it's got to be too far out there. It it just it needs to be too far in the public eye because it's like you said. Everyone seems to know that that relates to video games. You see it on the front cover of the Guinness Book of Records. Like I said our website had it. I drew one up for the clans back in the day for Greg. Grand Theft Auto and Red Dead Redemption. It's it's just you see that you know what it is kind of thing that 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 links to video games in some manner. And I, I just think now that Square Enix just don't carry that. And that it's it's odd because they are a publisher that are quite notoriously protective of the things that they own. Um, and whether or not the iconography carried across in the deal from t- uh, Taito, but I'm pretty sure it did because they're still it, releasing games. Well, it's just, it's just I don't know. I guess we'd just have to presume a million different things. But, you know, it's nice to know that even in this day and age, people recognise that as, as a symbol of gaming. And I can't think of anything that's more symbolic of video games from anything that I've played in the last 30 years more than the very specific Space Invader icon with its arms up and its legs out kind of thing. When I was working at Commodore... Uh, this was before um, Taito folded and was uh, absorbed by uh, Square Enix. Uh, we used the the crab-like alien that Carl just described, which uh, looks like it throws its arms up, mm-hmm. and which I actually found it it might be just the the, the most iconic of all the iconic sprites in there, mm. <laughs> uh, yeah. because it's being lo- used in logos as well, and uh, I find it quite cute looking as well. But yes. we used it for some promotional work at Commodore, but we made sure to use the the Commodore used version with uh, the extra sprite width or the extra uh, yeah. pixel pixel width. Uh, yeah. But we worked together with a company called Casa Mobile at the time on a mm-hmm. mobile uh, remake of Jupiter Lander, the first game that I was ever credited in. Um, and uh, they warned us because they did some work with uh, uh, Taito in the mobile space as well. They warned us not to, to do that because Taito were very protective of, right. uh, of the space mm. invader sprite and especially because they had contact with them they uh, told us to please not right. do that so we oh, okay. actually had to replace that uh, that little sprite with something else I guess they'd be more likely to go after Commodore than you know a, another website or yeah. just some guy but I mean the, the amount of you know the the amount of stuff that this invader is on that isn't officially licensed. Oh yeah, uh, is astronomical, I'm sure. And and, I, and I'm convinced that adding a couple of extra pixels wouldn't hold up in a court of law because you you've got a whole look and feel 
thing going on, you know. It's apparent where, where the inspiration comes from, isn't it? Dan, what's your feelings on the these original graphics and their legacy? Um, well, I was just thinking about that. Um, do you remember the stencil artist called, I think it was called Invader? Yes, yes. Uh, a French artist. I was just thinking back to when we got the first um, Space Invaders stencil pop up in Ipswich, and it, there was it was a real moment of excitement in kind of the early to mid noughts. Now I'm guessing it wasn't one of his originals, so I can't see a French yeah. artist going to Ipswich. <laughs> but um, but I know they were around yeah. London and Brighton, the original ones. Um, yeah. And again, it's uh, the fact that that's the image that he chose and made it part of his name. I think. Uh, is a, a real encapsulation of just how um, again I'm going to use that word sorry iconic. Um, I don't think there's any other are. word. Really, yeah. I think that that is the word for them. And and I I do also want to praise him. Like again, working within the extreme confines that he was one no colours, one colour white. Uh, used changed with a with a bit of cellophane. Um, they do have a lot of personality. Two frames of animation, however many pixels they are, um, they. I don't again I don't think the game would have been as huge as it was without these sprites capturing people's imagination and having there was something about them I remember playing one of the myriad uh, clones this was a spectrum clone on my friend's uh, ZX spectrum and we uh, I think I mentioned this before but um to sort of vent our frustrations from the from the day at school we used to re, we used to redub different invader types different teacher names or different names of other students and so as we blasted them away there was this sense that you know you were kind of you know getting rid of the the day's frustrations and and your your annoyance with these people um these were slightly altered sprites of course but it was the same principle these you know these bug-eyed little things that were inexorably kind of trying to you know ruin your life (laughs) cramp your style but you were you were just kind of trying to clear them out i think maybe yeah maybe there's something about that uh, that nature of the gameplay as well that that uh, that is I think yeah Carl was talking about it that sort of that sense uh, and and you Mikhail, the sense of impending doom that that is that is there that in this game that does mean that despite the fact that it's pretty it feels pretty slow and clunky to play in some ways now there is it, yeah. it retains something. Yeah, it's the one the one shot, and if you miss it, you have to wait for it. Yeah. If you miss a shot, then you have to wait for it to when you just you know it shoots right between two uh, vertical rows of aliens. You just have to wait for it to go off the screen before you can fire again. And the thing I'd completely forgotten is the fact that it hits the top of the screen. Like I can't believe I'd forgotten this. But going back to it recently, yeah. <clears throat> when the when the when the laser blast, it doesn't just fly off into space. It actually kind of crumples as if it's hit something at the very top. I'm not sure why, but it does. Uh, uh, just a little curio. So, a, a warning for anyone um, with OCD that's looking up the uh, the art by Tomohiro <laughs> Nishikado. Um, now, the yeah. the crab aliens aren't centered on the pixel no. grid, um, and no. I can see that that might annoy some people. <laughs> <laughs> it was bothering me. I've got to admit, <laughs> but I'll let him off. Um, yeah. So I think it's probably also, uh, this may be more so within the realms of video games, but even then, maybe, maybe not. The sound is also iconic, I would say, as in you would, you still get this. And this is actually a bit of a bugbear of mine, but um, sometimes a, a TV show will show some people playing games and obviously they don't use the actual sound that was present on set because, uh, because it doesn't work like that. Um, so they would be playing in silent and the sounds get added in post and even games that uh, even programs that are set in 2018 or whatever sometimes not always but sometimes will still use generic 8-bit beeps 
uh, there'll be yeah. so you'll you'll see like Call of Duty on screen, and you'll and you'll be hearing something along the lines of Defender, um, <laughs> which is just infuriating because everybody knows that games don't sound like that anymore. <laughs> Except the we ones spoke, that do. We spoke about that on the Robotron show as well. Yes. Okay. And yes. And I think Robotron is a, is a sound bank that's probably sometimes used by TV producers. And Space Invaders, I think, could you, do you think you could play those sounds to, like, as a woman in my office, I think who's, who's nearly 70, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if I played just like 10 seconds of Space mm-hmm. Invaders sounds. She might go, Space Invaders, you know, mm, like she, or at I mean, least arcade. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think the the actual the sound of the the alien death, the sound of the bullet, the sound of the ship being crushed, the sound of the UFO. There's obviously oh, there's not that many sounds, but the probably the main one is the the four descending notes. Yes, uh, which uh, four chromatic descending bass note is a theme. Basically, is synchronized to invader movement. Do 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 over and over and over again but it gets faster as you clear the screen so that whole that whole soundscape um again playing it now it's very hard for me as somebody who's known this game for 40 years to separate nostalgia and uh, affection for actual uh, objective appraisal but i think it still sounds pretty awesome <laughs> anyone else yeah I, only today I realized there's a very curious link uh, with uh, John Williams's uh, Jaws theme. Also, ah, a very yeah. it, that's that's like a, a two-note theme, but which also speeds up as the shark is uh, yes. is nearing its prey and coming closer and closer. And that was three years before this, and 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 huge as well. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and and there's of course again the sea creatures. Yeah. Oh yeah. Good good thoughts. Yeah. There's some kind of simulation of echo that um, the sounds seem mm. to have um, that I don't think, like for, for it to have been thought through as much as to think, well, this is obviously on a sort of grand scale, therefore these sounds need to have kind of an element of echo, um, which I don't think yeah. any any other games really did for a fair while afterwards. I don't think anything quite sounds as, um, you know, the shot sounds and the, the explosion yeah. sounds. I don't know, there's just some yeah. sort of... Um, airiness to them that I can't quite mm-hmm. put my finger on, but that doesn't seem to exist in anything else around that time. What's what I find odd is uh, that the 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 laser and uh, alien death sound sounds so sort of quintessentially video gamey like chip sounds, but the 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 laser d- uh, based death sound sounds almost like a sample. It sounds yeah. like it sounds like a snatch of a of a recording of of an explosion or something, which is and it's, I don't don't think it is, but it's weird. And it sounds very sudden, and it often comes very unexpected. Yeah, and it's yeah. one of the most disheartening sounds in video games I've ever heard. Yeah, and everything stops as well. So yeah. so everything else. So this constant thrum and the you know the pew, pew, yeah, uh, it it, goes it away. almost yeah. it almost tells me you suck at the moment that it happens. Yeah, uh, on the. On the subject of the the descending theme, such as it is, uh, Andrew Sharpman uh, from Maestro Mario, How Nintendo Transformed Video Game Music into an Art. Uh, This is a 2013 piece uh, that goes back before Nintendo to Space Invaders. Uh, Video game music prior to Space Invaders was restricted to the extremities, i.e. a short introductory theme with Game Over Counterpart. The Alien-inspired hit featured continuous music throughout, uninterrupted by sound effects. 
It was thus the first time that sound effects and music were superimposed to form a rich sonic landscape. Not only do players receive feedback related directly to their actions through sound effects, they also receive stimulus in a more subtle, non-interactive fashion through music. The music interacts with on-screen animation to influence the emotions of the player. That seemingly pedestrian four-note loop might stir us in the most primitive of ways, but that it stirs us at all is worthy of note. By demonstrating that game sound could be more than a simple tune to fill the silence, Space Invaders moved video game music closer to the realm of art. The music popularised the notion of variability, the idea that music can change in accordance with the ongoing narrative. The variable in Space Invaders, tempo, is admittedly simple, but its implications are not to be underestimated. Over the years, analogous strategies of variation would be applied to pitch, rhythm, dynamics, form and a host of other parameters, all with the goal of accommodating the non-linear aspect of video games. At the deepest of conceptual levels, one would be hard-pressed to find an arcade game as influential to the early history of video game music as Space Invaders. Its role as a harbinger of the fundamental techniques that would come to shape the industry remains more or less unchallenged, and its blockbuster success ensured the adoption of those innovations by the industry at large. So I was struck by that just because when I think of Space Invaders, and I do think of Space Invaders and how important it is to video games, that is not the connection I would have made. Oh yeah, Space Invaders also was seminal to the incorporation of music that ties into the action. (laughs) Um, But it turns out they did that as well. (laughs) So, (laughs) wow. (laughs) That's pretty amazing. As a counterpoint to that, I think um, mechanical games would have been doing that prior to this time though right yeah that's fair yeah you're probably right um although he's right in saying it's the first video game to do it but um it's not like there wasn't a sort of uh, a precedent yeah Yeah. i see what you're saying but wouldn't um those mechanical games have been playing would they have had would they have had any link to gameplay or would they have just played jingles as and when certain conditions were met oh yeah i suppose music was just playing in the background but then there'd be sound effects like if you shot the little cowboy down or that kind of thing or um true but I think what the well, I think what the piece there is specifically linking to is the is the the increasing speed. As, yeah, um, sure. So the, I don't I don't know. You might be right. Some something may have done that before outside of video games, but um, perhaps yeah, perhaps this was the first time in games. Um, and suddenly the um, res like sound design of Space Invaders Extreme, which we'll probably yes, t- touch on later, makes a lot more sense. Yep. Completely. Yeah. Uh, absolutely right. Uh, so on the technical front, already uh, attested to it, but um, the invaders speed up as you shoot more of them. This was not originally a design element. <laughs> this happened by accident because, as you'd expect, the very basic processor that exists in the Space Invaders cabinet is almost overloaded by 55 alien sprites plus bullets plus player player base and all that sort of thing. So as you clear them out, movement speeds up. Everything speeds up. So by the time you get to those final few invaders, they're pretty much racing across the screen. And it's quite scary. And with your one bullet at a time, it's quite hard to hit. Uh, so again, is this a case? Would, do you think, panel, that this is almost like Capcom accidentally inventing uh, co- uh, combos <laughs> in Street Fighter? Um, would, would the game have been a hit if he'd decided to lock the frame rate at, the, uh, at, at what it was when you had 55 on screen. It would have been a lot easier and not, not nearly as threatening. So, yeah, yeah. it seems like one of those uh, happy accidents. I don't think I'd have found it anywhere near as enjoyable to play if I mm. could have killed them all because it was the challenge of continually coming back yeah. and the impending threat 
uh, with the increased sound uh, tone yeah. and desperately trying to fire you one bullet off yeah. and hit the enemy that kind of kept drawing me back to wanting to play the game. So yeah, I, yeah, I it seems like a fundamental it's... loop, right? It's kind yeah. of what yeah. the game, to my mind, revolves around. Yeah, and when you do hit that final uh, invader, uh, when it comes spitting down one of the very. F- uh, very few last lines. It does mm. feel like a major accomplishment. Uh, yeah, which is quite Staved extraordinary game, for such a old and rudimentary game. Yeah, yeah, undoubtedly. And uh, and yeah, it's still it's. I still find it pretty hard. That last invader does go pretty fast, and obviously you can get the timing down by with practice. And you know, I'm very rusty because I don't play Space Invaders very often. But uh, but there it is. And I think that that fundamental skill is like an absolute. Uh, the, the the timing the one shot to hit the one invader is like a real great sort of grounding point for so many of the skills that you'll need for video gaming <laughs> or that I have needed throughout my entire life so uh, that's again testament to its influence I suppose So you're good at shooting the leaf in point blank then? I was actually well ish sometimes yeah oh god I love point blank anyway <laughs> Someday we'll cover that when when I've got a cathode ray tube to play it on again. Uh, (laughs) Sorry. Um, Yeah, gameplay was challenging. Uh, We've definitely alluded to that. Nishikado said he he can't beat the first screen. (laughs) He says, for its time, it was a very hard game. The The invaders aimed and shot directly at the player. And if one of them crossed the line into your territory, it was automatically game over. With older games, even if you were bad, you'd still be able to play for three minutes or so. But in Space Invaders, if you just let the enemy shoot at you, you might not even last five seconds. So it wasn't well received at first, no. I balanced the game's difficulty entirely by responding to feedback from the people working around me. Had it been left up to me, Space Invaders would have been a far easier game. (laughs) Yeah. Interesting. I I was playing through all the Space Invaders games on the Titan Legends 1 and 2 discs uh, for the last two two weeks. Yeah. And the second round, I took my uh, seven-year-old son along with me for uh-huh. the ride. And he was he, he, he has seen me play uh, numerous crazy bullet hell shooters by Cave. And he's yeah. even played a little bit of Dodon Patch on the Saturn together with me in two-player mode. Nice. And he, and he was watching Space Invaders and he thought, Dad, this, this game looks so easy. And, <laughs> <laughs> and then he started playing it. <laughs> Welcome he, to the party. And he quite mm. literally said, what the heck? <laughs> <laughs> he was so surprised for, uh, surprised for dying, uh, dying so fast. But, uh, you yeah, went we for went- the power-ups to come along probably. Yeah, exactly. They don't they don't come until the the later games in which you also have two player simultaneous action. Yeah. Yeah, and it's also interesting there Nishikado saying that the game was hard for him. Sometimes you get those games which come out and it still happens to this day I think where they've been mainly tested internally or by the person who's creating the game and they're either a naturally you know, excellent game player or, and or because they designed the game, they know exactly how to beat it from the off. So they, you know, they can get through insanely hard game of one life. But he was actually tempted to, you know, go the other way. I wonder if he was tempted to lock the speed of the def- descending invaders uh, so it didn't speed up. Um, and we would have probably been left with a, yeah, I mean, some, you know, those people who think Space Invaders is, is boring now, um, or f- I should say find Space Invaders boring now, um, if they hadn't had the, 
increasing pace, then yeah, I think it would have been a. Uh, I, yeah, I, I don't think it would have been the hit it was. Probably, uh, I think that urgency was so important to, and and the sense of injustice when you, when you get game overed as well. Yeah, and going back to the arcade version, I was also once again surprised with how many enemy projectiles are being fired right yeah. from the beginning already. Because I recall playing Same. some home versions on the Atari and. It's fairly sparse yes. with enemy projectiles. Actually, it feels like more like a like a gallery shootout. But in yes. the arcade version, you have to do a lot of dodging. Completely agree. That, yeah, that it's a it's a hail, a bombardment, isn't it? It's not it's not just the odd occasional bullet. And yes, I've I've, I've had similar things where I've played conversions or other versions and been suckered into thinking that it's yeah just the occasional enemy projectile uh, so one of the things uh, that the game had that i'm not sure too many games had had before is an actual high score table uh it recorded your score i'm not sure if it turned off overnight i don't know if there's any backup on the original cabinet or anything um so i guess some places probably just left their machines running the whole time so obviously high score attacking became a thing uh, every enemy had a, a point value the ufos had a varying point value depending on uh well i'll tell you in a moment from nishikado's own mouth um and there are still videos to be found of how to get scores on space invaders now i've never got a proper strategy down for myself a technique um when i used to play as a kid i'm pretty sure i just used to shoot columns um because it seemed to make sense or probably actually when i was a very little kid i just shot whichever alien was nearest or tried to um i still get surprised by how many shots managed to wiggle their way or not, not wiggle they actually go straight up through the gap between all the invaders yeah <laughs> um but uh proper players will uh do stuff like clearing out all bar the uh, the uh, certain type of alien and then wait for them to get to a certain stage and then clear them out one by one there's there's lots of kind of patterns and um suggested strats to follow that i don't really comprehend or understand but as you imagine a game that's 40 years old that was as successful as it was has a lot of people trying to still to this day trying to kind of break it trying to work out how best to play it do any of you have a an absolutely like a tried and tested locked in muscle memory i always play it like this kind of technique for the original space invaders i prefer the flat panic yeah (laughs) get get behind cover and hope for the best and then get frustrated when you get hit by a stray bullet um that seems to have been how my games have gone for the last 30 years this is why we've never seen sheet three or four or whatever yeah yeah I, I start the task very enthusiastically always, like clearing out the yeah. first row and the second row and oh, everything's going well. And then they start speeding up and coming closer. You know, and That's where the panic yeah. starts setting in. I think I just, um, when I was little, I used to use the cover quite heavily. Yeah. But nowadays I find myself um, just ignoring it because I know it's there as a, a constant sort of, well, until it gets destroyed. But um, yeah. it's just going to be there protecting me anyway. So I just kind of ignore that it's there nowadays, not in it as any conscious thing, but mm-hmm. I kind of don't take any notice of it. But I remember my dad, um, this must have been like a word of mouth tip that he learned in the office or something. <laughs> but um, there used to be an old uh, tip that went around that if you made just the tiniest little hole through your barriers, Ah, or, uh, yeah. the invader was very unlikely to be able to shoot down there, but obviously you mm. could shoot up through it. Yes. So I remember as a kid making uh, one of those in each of the barriers 
and yeah, then trying to destroy a column through that from there. That's yeah. I've seen videos of people doing exactly that recently. So yeah, that still works, I guess. But there is there it's there's an element of gamble because I think they can you know they might squeeze a shot through. Yeah, uh, it seems but, like the optimal strategy is to clear two vertical lines of uh, invaders and then just uh -huh. let them creep closer and just calmly take the uh, uh, the closest row out yes. uh, one by one when they're yeah. very very much on the the last line right before your laser base. Yeah, that's and another technique. And then one technique. after another. I watched and it looked deadly dull, <laughs> really boring. Yeah. It's one of those games that, yeah, to 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 maximize your chances of success, you have to play it in the most kind of um, yeah tedious, pragmatic way possible. Kind of like Jose Mourinho playing Space Invaders, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, in the original game, when the invaders are at the bottom row, their bullets generate under the player's turret, rendering him immune to that row's attacks. This technique is called Nagoya Shot, so named for allegedly being discovered in Nagoya. And I'm pleased to, to see that Nagoya uh, is referred to in later uh, games. It's, there's an achievement relating to it in Space Invaders Extreme. Uh, it's a, a thing that happens in Space Invaders Infinity Gene. Uh, yeah. So that has gone down in Legend. Not something that I could ever exploit, but, uh, but it there happens it is. in Extreme as well. It's not just an achievement, it's where the enemies do it. Or is that possibly Extreme 2? Um, but yeah, I know it's I've seen that last not. enemy do it to me a couple of times. Yeah. Right. Yeah, in extreme you can't move up on the screen, and it's quite rare that uh, the invaders will come quite very low in the in, in most situations. Yeah. Yeah, but it fires down. It does this sort of like beam down that it then calls a Nagoya shot. Right. Huh. Hmm. <laughs> uh, Nishikado said that was a programming bug. One day, I saw a really good player putting up some high scores around 150,000. When I looked closely at what he was doing, I saw that the very bottom row of invaders' shots seemed to pass right through his ship. It's because I programmed it so that their shots would come out just a little bit in front of the invaders. I had also wanted to randomise when the UFOs appeared, but it looked like using random numbers was going to be a pain. So I abandoned the idea and made the UFOs appear according to the, to the number of times the player shot. Unfortunately, players discovered that rule very quickly. I was surprised at how fast they figured it out. That is the, the one quote you will always read if you find any interview about any classic arcade machine. There's always one where the developer says, I can't believe people figured that out so fast. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's, it's kind of standard. But yes, of course they did. So the high score, uh, although Nishikado mentions 150k there, the current official world record is 110,000. Uh, on October 7th, 2011, Flemington, New Jersey's Richie Knuckles possibly not his real name, although I hope it is, catapulted himself into the video game record books by racking up 110510 points in the original 1978 arcade hit Space Invaders, more than doubling the previously held record. I guess that's um, that score's based on, you know, certain uh, Twin Galaxies, not Twin Galaxies, yes, Twin Galaxies. Yeah. Uh, 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 high score uh, rules. The previous so record... let's say that it's the highest recorded uh, yes, score of the game, but recorded. it might, yeah. might have well been possible that somebody that uh, Nishikata saw did indeed yeah. put 150k uh, score down. Very true. Possibly with di different dip switch settings, even if it even had different dip switch settings. I'm not even sure, to be honest. Uh, the previous record of 55,160 set by Donald Hayes had stood since 2003. 
but I don't think I, th- I believe based on my recent searching 2011 now seven years ago nearly was the last time that the Space Invaders record was broken but you can bet there are some people out there still trying Richie uh, Knuckles has what, come back into the public consciousness recently actually with the um the whole Billy Mitchell and Twin Galaxies uh, ah. 2018 scandal so yeah if, um if anyone's looking at Twin Galaxies and Richie Knuckles um yeah you'll find some uh what's the word some more topical stuff related to him as well Cool. Hope his scores are legit, yeah? <laughs> I think so. At least these yeah. arcade ones. Uh, another fun fact. Noted author Martin Amis wrote Invasion of the Space Invaders, an addict's guide to battle tactics, big scores and the best machines. Published in 1982, sadly has since disavowed the work uh, in favour of his more serious and intellectual pieces, which I think is a shame. <laughs> <laughs> So let's crack on with some talk of versions, conversions and emulations. Uh, I guess the Atari 2600 version was something that a lot of us would have come across. 1980, it came out. Uh, It was the first official licensing of an arcade game, according to my research, and also became known as the first killer app by quadrupling the sales of the host system. I remember playing this. Uh, as uh, a kid round of friends, I never had a 2600, sadly. Uh, it had 36 on-screen invaders compared to 55 in the arcade, but it had uh, six different kinds of invaders rather than just three, worth different point values. Uh, there are three defensive bunkers rather than four, uh, and the invaders uh, were invading Earth rather than the moon in the Atari version, which I never really kind of thought about. But um, yeah, it was a it had a ridiculous number of game variants, as I recall. Yeah, ones where you couldn't destroy the bunkers and things like that. Invisible invaders. Yeah. It was like anything Crazy. you could do without... Yeah, with anything that they could think of without uh, adding to the amount of ROM on the cartridge, I think, basically. Uh, yeah. Worky Ticket from the forum says, My earliest memories of Space Invaders are mainly of the 2600 version. This and the fantastic Asteroids conversion giving me my first realisation that you could legitimately have an arcade game in the home. Nowadays it's more a legacy piece and doesn't hold up gameplay-wise as well as other games of the time, but that pounding, superficially monotonous but sneakily musical soundtrack still stands as one of game sound design's most important early achievements. Other conversions of the original game came to the NES... The SG-1000, Wonderswan, mobile phones in 2007 and iOS in 2009. Including also some of those compilations have the sequels and the spin-offs and other games bearing the name. So uh, let's go for a whistle-stop tour. Stop me if you've been involved in any of these. Uh, Space Invaders Part 2, also known as Deluxe Space Invaders in the US. This was just one year later, uh, 1979. Nishikado, though, says Namco released Galaxian later in 1979, and that game featured full-colour sprites. But Taito had all these Space Invaders boards stockpiled that only could do black and white, and so they wanted me to make another game with them. Graphically, they looked very primitive. It was a sad sight compared to the colourful screens of Galaxian. Midway, indeed, decided not to continue with Space Invaders in favour of Galaxian. Uh, After having that massive hit with the original Space Invaders, they basically went, nah, Galaxian's better. So they went over to that, licensed that instead. Uh, An impressive upgrade with dive-bombing wings of full-colour aliens as well as screen marchers. Out went the protective bases. In came space-based action. You controlled a ship rather than a mobile gun. Uh, Yes, Galaxian is a series show that we shall almost certainly do someday. Um, The sequel to Galaxian is one of my favourite games of all time. I don't think the colour look of Space Invaders Part 2 
works as well, at least for me, as the yeah. monochrome original. There's just something about mm. it that seems um, a bit clumsy. The colour just seems uh, like it's just there because it has to be there to match Galaxian. Yeah, and I think the colour was added in the emulations anyway to simulate. I don't know, because he's saying the, the boards for the part two were Oh, yeah, that you had to use them again, yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm sure I saw sure something about, about there being actual versions with colour, but again, you, that Return could be... Return of the Invaders, I think maybe the next one, 1985, was the kind of colour space invaders. Uh, maybe, yeah, yeah. But that one had full-on uh, colours, uh, uh, quite detailed sprites. Uh, okay. Space Invaders part two is not... It, it is tweaked, but it's probably still the original board. But they they have a little intro thing where they come yep. on screen, the invaders, and there is an actual... Yeah, and there's an actual title screen, yeah. Yeah. But uh, mm. it looks like uh, like one of those uh, color cellophane uh, things because when they change lines, the aliens, they change color as well. Yeah, and it's, uh, it is color on the Xbox 360 version, but yes, they change colors as they come down as if simulating the cellophane kind of thing. So it may be that we've just got used to seeing it in color, but actually originally it wasn't. I guess it wasn't. Uh did anyone play UPL's Return of the Invaders? I don't know why it was developed outside of Taito, but it was official. Yeah, played it yeah. Uh, on the Taito Legends One uh, compilation. And, uh, I can't remember what I, I have played this, but not for not for a long time. What's the What's the skinny? Um, you have uh, there's a limited amount of power ups, and there are some real variations between rounds. It starts with uh, the aliens circling around rather than moving in their lines. And there's a lot of variations of different aliens. And they have some really nasty green ones that shoot very fast lasers at you. Ooh. I mean, it's it's fun. The, the core components are there. Yeah, I imagine it not being a huge success uh, by 1985 with games like Xevious already uh, on the market. Yeah, and, uh, sure. I think 1942 was uh, maybe already out as well. Oh, yes, yes. So... They took a bit of a break for five years before Super Space Invaders 91 came out in 1990 uh, in the style of a FIFA game. Um, came to home systems in 1991. I remember this very well. I don't think I ever saw this at the arcades or if I did, it was only brief. But I do remember it coming to Amiga, Amstrad, 6C64, Spectrum, Game Gear and Master System. Um, it I didn't appeal to me greatly, I think, at this point. I was thinking, why would I play this um, interestingly, the Sega Master System manual for the game included a comprehensive history of the franchise. I wouldn't mind a copy of that. Uh, so did anyone play any version of this? There were lots of them. This was the next official uh, Space Invaders, Space Invader game, uh, if you will, that I played. I played it on the Amiga and I played it on the Master System, definitely. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it was... It was strange because it had the new artistic backgrounds. Yeah. And it, as a result, didn't really feel official. It was really strange in the way that it was trying so hard in the way that many knockoff games did. And as a result, no longer felt like a proper Space Invaders yeah. game. So I didn't actually enjoy it that much as a result. No. Did those versions have the, the, the cattle mutilation uh, yeah. bonus uh, sequence in there? Yes, that was that was probably the most notable element. I would have said uh, it was the thing which did catch my eye. Uh, was screenshots of the of the cow. Uh, obviously, the, again, this was in the wake of you know y mad uh, UFO based stories. Also, as also referenced in um, Legend of Zelda: Majora's Mask, the the, the cow kidnapping stuff, um, yeah. and the uh, the game's name uh, L in. Uh, 
in Japan, I think. Majestic 12, the Space Invaders Part 4. So this was officially Space Invaders 4. And the Majestic 12, that relates to something to do with Area... Uh, uh, 51? You know, area, yes, Area yeah, 51. Yeah, the kind of MK Ultra and all that kind of stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Now, what I get from, and I've played the arcade version on Titan Legends 2, what I get from uh, Space Super Space Invaders 91 is they wanted to go for a similar thing as Elevator Action Returns. So yeah. it's very, yeah. there's there's a high level of detail in the, in the uh, backgrounds and it has this sort of post-apocalyptic look to it uh in a, in a very similar way yeah um there's also some really creepy music uh in it sometimes uh, mm-hmm. especially the scrolling bits when you fly uh fly through space and your gun turret changes into a ship um uh, i didn't give this game much credit but after spending some more time for it i quite liked it uh, actually um also there's there are some really cool power-ups in it but yeah it's not uh, it's not an, a new iteration uh, on the level of Elevator Action Returns by far. No, right. Dan, you normally have the Game Gear versions of these things. Did you? Um, I've played the Master System version, but uh, okay. I think I played the Game Gear version very, very briefly. Um, the Master System one I've played, um, I think it was a friend maybe lent it to me. But I think at the time it was one of those games where like he'd got it for a Christmas or a birthday. And there were so many other games at the time that people were getting. But it was almost, um, like not to laugh at, but it was like, oh, what you got that old thing for? You know, <laughs> yeah. like, oh, your parent, yeah. like, kind of like your grand buying you like a Hornby when you ask for a PlayStation, <laughs> you know, or <laughs> something yeah. like that, where um, it felt like the wrong present. But um, mm-hmm. but I actually quite enjoyed it. I did. Um, it's quite interesting that you say you didn't see it in arcades, though, because over uh, in Southend and Clacton, the, um, yeah. I remember seeing it pretty much everywhere at the time. But maybe okay. that's the franchise as a whole was more popular in the East. I don't know. <laughs> I may have just eradicated it from memory, but... Um, the yeah. Arcade, yeah, the arcades around my way were usually always f- focused on the biggest, newest spectacle uh, machines. And, yeah, Super Space Invaders 91 certainly wasn't among those. those. Mm. Uh, 1990 also saw uh, Space Invaders Fukatsu no Hi on the PC Engine, which I know very little about. Space Invaders 90 came to the Mega Drive. Now, this was, uh, this was again, for me, a case of w- why would I by Space Invaders for the Mega Drive. It is a sort of, quotes, enhanced or souped-up version. Um, I shouldn't you know, speak ill of a game I've never played, but uh, I've watched some video of this. Uh, it To me, it looks horrendous and sounds even worse. Yeah, it's not great. Right. Uh, I've only ever played it in a, one of those import shops because it was never released in, um, in the PAL regions. No. So, again, the extra sort of price premium for buying an import game Ooh, uh, with it being Space Invaders was just one of those things that I <laughs> don't think I ever would have done, as, even in my stupidest moment. Mm. Space Invaders 91, known as in North America. More widespread. In 1993 was uh, another arcade machine at first, Space Invaders DX, keeping the brand alive. That's not the subtitle, <laughs> although maybe it should have been. Um, <laughs> Uh, this came to Game Boy, Super Nintendo, Turbo Graphics, Saturn, and PlayStation One, all with different names. Uh, in some cases, it was a slightly different game, such as on the Game Boy, it was much closer to a version of Space Invaders Part Two, but they, you know, released it under uh, under the, just the Space Invaders name. Um, again, I've watched some footage, but have no familiarity with this. I know some people uh, have quite fond memories of the PS One version. Anyone dabble with this? So uh, this was one that I did actually play on the original PlayStation. Um, 
sadly didn't pick it up with an authentic copy. Uh, this was back when copies were spreading, and I just it was I fancied playing mm-hmm. a Space Invaders title again. Um, and yeah, it was it was Space Invaders. Uh, it, it was quite good, but by this point, um, I wanted to play multiplayer with friends and I've I'd actually moved on to worms by this point which we've actually just very recently covered um I think this did have some multiplayer modes but I think they've crammed those in in various Space Invaders games and I'm not sure how well they work because it's the whole kind of top and bottom of the screen shooting one bullet at a time at each other kind of deal normally which uh which I have given some time no, to it, but not a it's lot. it has a a versus mode which is like a split screen versus puzzler affair oh, where okay. every, every player is on their that side of right. the screen yeah <laughs> but it's uh it's lacking they're they're you no, know it's not it's no twinkle star sprites or anything like that yeah it, yeah it is a very basic version of, of that multiplayer and as a result it was it never really clicked when i was playing it with friends um whereas as what a thirteen-year-old, the humour of worms was far more up our street. So yeah, it was it was kind of um, it, it it was good to dabble in Space Invaders again because I'd not played it since the uh, um, since the Amiga release of Super Space Invaders '91. So quite a period of time had gone past. It was still Space Invaders, but it no longer felt special. Oddly enough, the first release of the PS1 version didn't have the two-player mode, but they restored mm. it for uh, the re-releases, Space Invaders 2000, and the budget re-release in Japan, Space Invaders 1500, cleverly huh. renamed to tie in with its price of 1500 yen. Uh, interesting. Curiously as well. Sorry, go on, Dan. Sorry, there's a slightly interesting story about the Super Game Boy version as well. Um, oh, yeah. That it contains a full SNES version of Space Invaders. Not it, It's not just that the SNES is playing the um, yeah. Game Boy version. It mm. actually contains a ROM specifically for the SNES that couldn't even run on the Game Boy, which is pretty odd. I don't think there's anything else that yeah. is similar to that. Good stuff, yeah. Well said. Uh, yes, Value for money. Absolutely. <laughs> In two versions of a game for one. Yeah, <laughs> albeit 50 quid for a... Space Invaders, but never mind, possibly 40 quid. Um, 2001, this came to the Nuon, which we've only ever mentioned in passing before, uh, an odd set-top box machine which uh, had a version of Tempest, Tempest 3000. Uh, in this case, they ported this game to it as Space Invaders XL. Perhaps the most notable thing about Space Invaders DX, other than the thing that Dan just said, was that it introduced a parody mode that replaces the traditional sprites with those from other Taito IPs, including Arkanoid Bubble Bobble, New Zealand Story and Darius which is cute. Dusk versus Tweak from the forum says, I had a copy of the Game Boy edition of Space Invaders, which is uh, this, when I was younger, but it got the most playtime on the Super Nintendo with the Super Game Boy add-on. A big reason for this was that it brought people around the TV, yelling and vying for their turn. I missed out on the big arcade scene, but this felt relatively close to that experience. However, it's also the cause of those SNES controllers being tossed and thrown in anger, as I'm not sure I've ever found a game that can make so many people angry so fast. Even Tetris, when it's moving at extreme speeds, leaves me with a giddy acceptance of my loss, but watching your ship explode in Space Invaders pressed all the right buttons for walking away in rage. Oh, next up, uh, this one. I haven't played it for quite a while, but I know you've been back to it, Mikhail. Uh, this is where Space Invaders went parodious, basically. Uh, as, Pretty much, as, yeah. Uh, Space Invaders 95, also known as Akan Vader, uh, and also known as Attack of the Lunar Loonies. This is on one of the compilations. You can also play it on MAME. 
and it's pretty darn cute. Yeah, it's very wacky, it's very cute, uh, but above all, it's actually really fun to play as well, uh, because every new section you get into the game is something throws a completely new challenges at you. And it starts out as the original Space Invaders with a black uh, in black and white style. Yeah. And then the four note theme morphs when the aliens morph and they're sort of cutesy parodied versions. And they st- instead of uh, the four the, the four note theme sounding computerized, mm. they start chanting the four note. Oh theme yeah. While so they're adorable. coming down the screen, it's wah, adorable. Wah, yeah. Wah, wah. Yeah. Wah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Mm. It's great. And uh, you got uh, the choice because the player one and the player two side are different. Uh, there's the Kiki Kai Kai characters are, are in there with their sort of Japanese shrine uh, yeah. ships. And you got the Silver Hawks from uh, Darius in there. There's either player one has a, a, a dog or player two can then <laughs> choose a cat in a cart, uh, carton box. Yes. Uh, shoot, s- spitting out uh, fish bones. Always a winner. And, and there is a turret uh flying on a to- toilet as well uh which uh, did you say turd or turret a turd turd yeah t-u-r-d good, good. <laughs> <laughs> just had to check yeah uh, which sort of ties again the parodious thing obviously there was the condom uh man so it's sort of having a little bit of naughty cheeky yeah. humor yeah you should you should tourists of a beach in one scene as well and it's uh, it's really fun and uh it's uh, I, I really love this uh this space and ladies version I would love to see this, and uh, not that Square Enix seem to be bringing out anything for download uh, on consoles at the moment, but I would happily uh, pay for a, you know, if, if they were to uh, let this go out through Hamster or something, I would I would buy it, absolutely. Uh, Space Invaders X, also known as Space Invaders EX, came out in 1999 for PlayStation N64 PC and Game Boy Color. Game Boy Advance in 2002, there was also meant to be a Dreamcast version, but that was cancelled. Spacefarer from the forum says, Worth mentioning is the 1999 Activision published game. I spent a lot of time with that. It's a very different experience, but it's a lot of fun, even though I've played through it a bunch of times already. Anyone remember it? Yeah, uh, I played this quite a bit, actually. Oh, cool. Uh, I had a radio show at the time with uh, with some of my friends, uh, which uh, we uh, which aired fairly fairly late live. Uh, so before that, we killed the time about playing Half Life uh, on the PC at uh, at their place. Mm. And when that got a little bit uh, too much for us, we would switch to Space Invaders X on the on the PC, and we played it with uh, with two players on uh, two sides of the keyboard. Mm. And, I mean, it's really weird to think of it because I wasn't really into playing uh, aging uh, arcade-style games at the time, but it's telling just how much of a pool Space Invaders still had because we really got absorbed by it. And it was uh, two players on screen at the same time and Mm. uh, we we got pretty far uh, into it without dying as well. Sadly, I don't think I had a quick look, and it's uh, the PC version is not available on Steam. I don't know if it's available on any of the other services. I looked up the N64 version as well because I didn't know. I, we just thought we were playing Space Invaders. Uh, we had no idea it was called Space Invaders X. And mm. I, I was actually trying to look up this version. Then I found out it was this one. Uh, and I saw the N64 version. And of course, the N64 couldn't have uh, decent looking sprites on it. So they changed <laughs> all the ships and, uh, and uh, objects with uh, very basic looking polygons. Oh, okay. 
The next game, as I say, is arguably one that isn't really a Space Invaders game. It wasn't called Space Invaders outside of Europe. It was called Space Raiders. It was a 2002 GameCube and PS2 game, bringing to mind for me the likes of the Defender game that they did. And um, not they did, but another company did (laughs) Uh, that sort of bringing the IP up to date by making a completely unrelated game it was rebranded Space Invaders Invasion Day in Europe and uh, the reviews were middling to poor to say the least so I paid this no attention at all really so it was a Space Invaders anniversary 15 years ago it was the 25th anniversary, so Taito released a game for the arcade, also came to PlayStation 2 and PC, but it is a compilation of Space Invaders titles, uh, originally released for the Taito GNet arcade board, later receiving ports, uh, three variations of the original game and part two, as well as three variations exclusive to the compilation. Spacefarer from the Kana Rince Forum says the first time I properly played Space Invaders was on PS2 with Space Invaders Anniversary, which I got from sending my game idea to the game's publisher. Since then, it's become one of my absolute favourite games. Despite its simplicity and maybe because of it, it always ends up being a good time. And it's great for bonding with my dad, too. There's a, a lot of, uh, you know, bonding stories with Space yeah. Invaders, which is nice. Even now, uh, maybe my, my son will remember playing uh, Space Invaders with me. Uh. <laughs> He'll be telling his mates in, uh, in, in down the pub in 15, 20 years' time. And my dad yeah. used to torture me with these awful video games <laughs> that he thought were cool. Uh, yeah. He used to be they on this even thing. even holographic. Yeah, he used to think he was, he was on this thing called a podcast. Weird. <laughs> anyway. Uh, So now we hit the point in 2005 where Taito's uh, finances are not what they need to be and so they get hoovered up, bought out, taken over, whatever you want to call it, by Square Enix. I guess Space Invaders' anniversary wasn't enough to keep them alive. Uh, I don't know if these projects were already in the works at this point or whether they were released before the takeover or after. However, 2005 saw the release of Space Invaders' Revolution also known as Space Invaders DS. So this was part of a series that they they did various games like this, uh, evolutions and revolutions of existing Taito IP, including Bubble Bobble and Rainbow Islands. They were nearly, a New Zealand story, they were nearly all appallingly received in reviews. So I I felt kind of a bit dirty about them, so I ignored them. <laughs> um, uh, but apparently Tomohiro Nishikado did oversee the game's development on this one. Um, it's almost identical to the original Space Invaders, so that's probably... Um, yes, safe. Yeah. 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 Uh, meanwhile, over on PSP, at the same time, almost, Space Invaders Evolution, also known as Galaxy Beat, uh, features the original arcade version of the game and a remake with new graphics, sounds and gameplay with elements of rhythm action. Have any of you played this? No, you? Yeah, um... It feels like a PC flash game of around the same time. It, oh, okay. Um, the the little write up you've put here um, kind of really really sells it. Um, I'd I'd say to people to maybe if you've got a PSP lying around, give it a go. But um, I was I was quite shocked by it. Really, it uh, yeah, tries wow. to make it a sort of three D. It's um, yeah, like a first person version yes. of Space Invaders, but it just it just really doesn't work yeah um, it feels like a tech demo yes yeah. it looked like a tech demo actually however the rhythm action theme continues 
in Space Invaders from now on, really, on and off. Uh, the next one was the arcade machine Space Invaders The Beat Attacker, a rhythm-style game in which players uh, shoot three defensive turrets by stepping over three control panels. The game awards achievement tickets, which can be exchanged for prizes. It's one of those. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if this came worldwide. I don't think I've ever seen it, but it is the sort of thing that you might see in a bowlplex or uh, somewhere like that, I guess. The next one, I wonder if, Mikil, you may have been at Nintendo around this time. Space Invaders Get Even, 2008. That was the, that was the year that I joined uh, Nintendo. Yeah, I, so I this... even uh, remember doing uh, some, some content for the for NOE's website for it. Cool. It was uh, quite well received, as I recall. Yeah, and I'm really kicking myself now that I never went and sought it out because as of now, you can't buy any new games on the uh, Wii Shop channel anymore. Of course. It was WiiWare yeah. and it's gone. The That's Wii Shop it. channel still exists, but yes. you can't add money to your account anymore, so effectively you can't buy anything. Only re-download stuff you've uh, bought before. Uh, welcome to the digital future and all that. Yes, that yeah. was released as part of the 30th anniversary, and uh, the reason it's called Get Even is because players control the alien invaders as they attack yeah. the Earth. It genuinely looked quite curious. I'm, yeah, I'm kind of sad I didn't get this now as well. Hmm. Moving on then to one that you can easily get is Space Invaders Extreme. We've already mentioned it. Uh, first launched on DS and PSP. Uh, DS has music by Zuntata. The PSP version has licensed music. Came to XBLA in, uh, on the Xbox 360 in 2009, courtesy of Backbone Entertainment and with an audio visualizer courtesy of Jeff Minter, which is, uh, which is a ni- nice little extra. And this came out on PC this year. Yeah, I didn't even realise it had been nine years and I didn't realise that it had only just come out. But um, yeah, I had this on uh, both handheld and 360. Um, as I say, I've got the DLC as well, which was just like a couple of quid for Space Invaders uh, 1 and 2 and some extra bits of the main game. To me, this is like if Tetsuya Mitsuguchi made Space Invaders. It reminds me of Res. It reminds me of Lumines. It reminds me of every Extend Extra. And uh, it has these quantized sound effects, as you mentioned, Mikhail. Uh, it's got a quite involved uh, score attack system based on columns and rows and colors. And uh, yes, I've been playing it again the last couple of days. And uh, I still think it's rather excellent. Gentlemen? Amen. Me too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, totally agree. Um, I like it on DS and PSP. Um, they both play slightly differently. Um, uh-huh. it's, I mean, it's, it's such subtle difference. Horizontal um, to vertical, I suppose. Um, yeah, although the DS only uses the top screen for oh, okay. um, boss battles and uh, possibly bonus rounds. I can't remember if that's the sequel. Um, right. But the DS is just slightly... I don't know what makes it easier, but it feels slightly easier. Again, it might be the, the width on the PSP, or some okay. people say the backgrounds on the PSP are more uh, distracting because they're uh, yeah, they definitely higher are on res, Xbox. more colourful. The XBLA version is definitely closer to the PSP version, I think. But yes, yeah, superb game. I've forgotten how much I liked it until this past week or so, catching back up on it. Yeah, great way to play, to get the kind of... I mean, it, it doesn't really feel like the original Space Invaders in some ways because it's so different. It's very, it's much, much faster paced from the off, I think. Um, obviously, it's it's got far more kind of going on visually and in terms of gameplay, but it is, it does still have the fundamental left, right and fire going on. Mikhail, you, you're a fan too. Yeah, it's, I think in a similar way to Pac-Man Championship Edition. Uh, yeah. Especially DX, it references the original visually very strongly. 
but it's an entirely different game to play than uh, than its original source of inspiration. And um, I wasn't. Uh, I I actually got it on the PC as per your recommendation because uh, I never really had heard of it before. Right. And I wasn't initially. I was I was not really as impressed till I started gauging the depth of the scoring system in yeah. uh, mm-hmm. in it. And yeah, it's very uh, involved. Um, the, the bits that I like about it is how branching it can be. Because if you hit certain colored saucers, you enter this sort of a challenge mode yeah. uh, in which you have to, which you have to complete uh, on a time limit. And yeah. going from there, you go into fever mode, uh, which allows you to which is completely addictive to do and which allows you to rack up uh, insane scores uh yeah it's it's one of those i think it's pretty uh i I love pac-man championship edition dx and i think this is very much in the same mold it's one of those score chasing heaven type of games you know yeah like but um it it's a bit like to me what my memory of space invaders feels like rather than yeah. Um, what what the actuality of my real memories of Space Invaders are like? I know what you know, you mean. Is, um, it feels yeah. like uh, your kind of idealized version. Yeah, just figuring out. Uh, I'm, my brain is really active when I'm uh, playing this game. Just mm-hmm. figuring out which color, uh, which color of aliens I want to uh, change before I get which weapon. Um, yeah. Where uh, where to hit first? If you see those aliens with the glowing outlines, you need to hit mm. those to cause chain explosions and uh, and the likes. And uh, there's a lot going on with positioning. And uh, yeah, it's also this constant tug of war between trying to keep your chain up and trying to grab the right power ups for the right job and uh, and everything. Yeah, it's pretty full. Uh, yeah, the there's, there's there's a lot going on. Mm. Worky Ticket from the forum says, I also have to give a shout out to the superb Space Invaders Extreme, which felt so much like what might happen if you gave Space Invaders to Jeff Minter. They actually brought him out on for the Xbox Live Arcade version. Still one of the shiny examples of how to do a remake well. Space Invaders Extreme 2 only came to DS, sadly. I did play it. I completed it, actually, uh, in 2009. Uh, uh, It it was cool, but I don't have super strong memories about it. Um, I kind of was hoping that it would also find its way to Xbox Live Arcade, as the original did. I think it might be that it's got more use of two screens than the original. That is a very good point. A little bit more awkward to bring to to a different system. It's, It's very similar to the first one, but different enough it's it's worth playing if if you're in, if you enjoyed the first one. It is DS centric, yeah. I might have to seek this one out now. Yeah, yes, yeah, it's, it's it's worth seeking. Yes, uh, more score attack funds, I would suggest. Also worth seeking out, in my opinion, is Space Invaders Infinity Gene, uh, which 2009 came out originally on iOS and other mobiles. Uh, this is where I played it first, and then I was pleasantly surprised to see that it arrived on PS3 and 360 the following year. Uh, and I bought it again. Uh, there's an Android version as well now, as well uh, now as of the last five years. Uh, this also has a Zuntata soundtrack, the famous, wonderful in-house Taito band, uh, and features RPG elements, which is uh, essentially that you play a level and you gain experience, and uh, as 
as you finish a level, the bar slides upwards and you unlock more stuff. It's uh, it's more of a modern style shoot 'em up. It starts off as basic Space Invaders for about two seconds, and then immediately uh, starts to let you loose, flying around the screen. Uh, it's got power-ups, multiple ship types. Uh, it's got um, a thumping techno soundtrack. It's got sort of wireframe graphics. A uh, lot of fanning, fanning out projectiles. A lot of projectiles, a lot of fanning out. Um, it's it's an odd one because it, it it has a certain vibe of Space Invaders to it, but it doesn't really... It, it, shares, it shares iconography. It shares lineage. Uh, you know, this is by... Taito's Japanese studio, uh, but it doesn't really share the gameplay. But uh, but I do recommend it to people who are interested in shooter maps. I found it a very strange game. It is strange, um, yeah. And just this the the, the main theme and the incredibly minimalist graphics. Yeah. Um, and then the the the, the evolution theme, the the Darwinism uh, <laughs> apparent in it, and then you have these uh, the power up uh, icons, which look like a very sinister uh, title arcade game called Metal Black. The the same kind of power ups, the, the molecules, the, the neurons uh, mm. that uh, yeah hover around the screen. And I have a, have a lot of trouble still getting into Space Invaders Infinity Gene. There uh because you can move anywhere on the screen from yep. the second stage on. Yeah. But uh enemy formations come in from all directions and they come in very fast and if you're not at the right spot at the right time, they will just uh kill you uh by flying over you. One of the weapons you can unlock is the Homer, which clears yeah, things that, out. Yeah, that that clears things out quite a bit. Uh but still I've yeah, apart from that, there's quite a bit of memorization involved in this game as well. For 2009, yeah. it's got um, almost a sort of a feel of uh, the indie roguelikes that have come about in the in the years since. Yeah. It, it kind of reminds me of that, the kind of um, constant power-ups, and obviously it's permadeath <laughs> at the end of your, yeah. your run. But yeah, it's, um, it's got an, a feel of like ru- roguelike runs to me. Yeah, and I still... Uh, I still- yeah, dip into this from time to time because um, more and more and more and more levels just keep unlocking. Um, there's a there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of content. There's some big boss sort of R type style flying around the big ship levels. There's levels where it's just yeah, it's just tons and tons of uh, popcorn enemies that you're just blasting over. And it, it is weird. It is it it is not like a, it's neither like Space Invaders nor a traditional shoot 'em up, but. I, yeah, it's absolutely part of the part of the lineage because it's yeah, it's it's official canon. But um, yeah, check it out anyway. Which brings us to uh, the one that Carl's played. It's called Space Invaders Frenzy. I watched this yep. on YouTube, and it's is it so? It's like a light gun game, basically. Yeah, so it, it, it's a huge sit down cabinet with a massive flat panel. Yeah, um, super high res vertical screen. Yeah, it it looks spectacular um, among a range of cabinets. So the second you walk into the the arcades, it's one of the machines that you will absolutely see. Um, I wouldn't say that it necessarily plays the best game of Space Invaders Mm. you'll ever play, uh, but it is definitely representative of what we we know Space Invaders to be. Mm. Um, And it's just fun to be playing Space Invaders of any ilk in an arcade in 2018. Um, it, it's essentially you sit there with a light gun trained on these uh, space invaders trying to shoot them. Um, 
very simplistic in terms of my description of it. Mm. Um, but if it's in an arcade near you, I definitely recommend sort of seeking it out. I don't think it's it's not an arcade cabinet that you're going to want to play all the time, but I definitely think it's something that um, you may not have played. Yeah. Something like, yeah. um, and certainly not in the longest time. So yeah, it, it's uh, it is a huge cabinet as well. Like that that screen stands probably. A good nine, ten feet it's, uh, to the top of it. Uh, oh, I've got the I've got the dimensions here. Oh no, it's floor floor space is sixty eight inches wide by a meter tall. Yeah, and the screen is almost a meter tall. Uh, yeah, this is um, and, it, and it's elevated in the one in Whitby as well, yeah. so it's even taller than that. It towers over me. Yeah, it's on little legs. Uh, as are you. Um, <laughs> over sixty five thousand <laughs> pulsing color LEDs. Uh, this is uh, licensed by Taito to Raw Thrills, who are U- Eugene Jarvis's uh, company. Eugene Jarvis, of course, uh, the, main, the man behind uh, Defender and Robotron, um, and also uh, helped out Housemark with uh, Next Machina recently, their last arcade game. Uh, so, yeah, it only came out last year, that. So if you do get near a Bowlplex arcade, cinema, whatever, check it out. Space Invaders Frenzy. There's one thing that we might have missed, but I'm not sure if it's official or not, or oh, if yeah. um, this company was just stealing uh, the <laughs> name, the artwork and everything. Do you remember Prize Space Invaders? Oh, no, I'm sure that's, yeah, I'm sure that's real, and I'm sure that's legit. Um, yeah, the, the things like that don't always come up when I'm searching because it's kind of only sort of tangentially a video game. I remember we did talk about the um, prize Tetris on the, on the Tetris show. Uh, so this, was this for money or tickets? Uh, money. Um, it was Barcrest right. who make the fruit machines. Um, <laughs> it was a 20-inch monitor and it was a, a proper full... Um, like it was an actual video game. Yeah. Um, and you could win, I think 20 quid was the top prize. Huh. Uh, but it was 50p a go. Yeah, and, really uh, and obviously it's yeah, it's obviously totally rigged in favour of the machine. So <laughs> excellent. Uh, what year do you know what that whenabouts that was? Uh, Ninety one, I think. Right. Okay. Early nineties, yeah. anyway. Hmm. Yeah. Needless to say, there have been more references in film, TV, music, art, and literature, and the world at large than we can possibly uh, cover in this podcast uh, and it's not really our remit anyway but i think it is important that we urge you to seek out some of the novelty records uh, that you can enjoy on youtube uh you may hear a snatch of uh, disco space invaders by funny stuff which was a, a release around the time of the game in japan there's a uh, a really tacky uh, american novelty record called space invaders by uncle vic uh, who also tried to have a hit with a Pac-Man-based record, but he was completely uh, blown out of the water by those other fellas who made Pac-Man Fever, whose names I've temporarily forgotten. Uh, <laughs> there's another tune in Australia called Space Invaders by a band calling themselves Player One, which is kind of funny, naff. Uh, and George Clinton, legendary P-Funk man, uh, McKeels tells us, uh, released a, a song called Computer Games. Yeah, of the album Computer Games in uh, 1982, which has a lot of really wacky catchphrases in there, uh, among which, may I invade your space? Yeah, makes Was sense. invading someone's space a term before <laughs> Space Invaders? I think so, but I don't know, because I was really young. This does, this does cross my mind, because I often, when you do meet somebody who does invade your space, I do call them a personal space invader. 
Um, and I don't know if, would I have called them that without Space Invaders? Probably not. <laughs> uh, and the Yellow Mag Magic Orchestra, also Japanese, of course. I don't know, when did they do Theme from the Invaders? Um, I think it would be 80, 82, 81, 82. Yeah, and not to be confused with the Invaders, the TV series, this was... This was the Space Invaders, but I guess they just didn't call it that again for fear of. Yeah, and I don't think it is the theme from Space it's Invaders. Not, it's, no, it's it's a tune that that to them sounds like a kind of space yes. arcade game. I think, like theme from Narc by Pixies, which is not the theme from Narc. Yeah. <laughs> uh, one of my favourites, uh, not you know, not necessarily an all-time classic movie, but a movie I quite liked. But the thing I loved about it were the aliens in 2011's Attack the Block, directed by Joe Cornish. The aliens in that are absolutely uh, pitch black. They give off no, they have no reflection to them other than the, these bright glowing teeth. And they are directly modelled on the monsters on the Space Invaders cabinet art. Uh, nice. And I think they look absolutely fantastic in the film. Well, they certainly did last time I saw it a few years ago. Uh, and in Guardians of the Galaxy, the first one, the basic strategy that our heroes employ with their spaceship trying to hold off the enemy before it makes it to the ground was directly inspired by Space Invaders. <clears throat> um, Invader, the artist whose real name is still unknown, I believe. French artist uh, mentioned earlier the characters. This is a quote. The characters which were created at the beginning of the digital technologies are very low tech and made with big pixels, which is perfect to be made with real tiles and mosaics like I do. I guess childhood is a big influence on the future work of many artists. Space Invaders represents to me a symbol of the beginning of the digital world in which we are living now. And yes, an incalculable amount of both official and unofficial merchandise. I've had a T-shirt or two over the years. Uh, in three words, we didn't get many three-word reviews for a game that's been played by so many, but I guess people don't feel, you know, there's there's a certain relationship that you might not have with a game like this because it's just so ubiquitous and iconic and maybe you've never played it a load because it's a kind of thing that you just dip in and out. But nevertheless, we have a few from Twitter. Alex79UK says, better left remembered. Tom Hewlett said, my first game. Cald PM says, inching ever closer. Ryan Scully, they're getting faster. Cornelius Smith. That sound design. Spacefarer, play player one. Yes, it, and that is what it says. I did double check. I think it's the same on, on all ROMs. Uh, we had a one three-word review submitted, which was Ready Player One, but I think they've been they've been uh, brainwashed, indoctrinated by the by the book and the movie. <laughs> uh, I just wanted to quote this before we summarise. This was from our friend Mr. Biffo, the legendary Paul Rose of Digi2000 fame. This was an article he wrote earlier this year, February 2018, who says, Space Invaders is the best game ever. I don't say that lightly. I mean it literally and sincerely. It's really, really good. I realised this last weekend when I played it for the first time in, you know, forever. I think, like all of us, I'd been taking Space Invaders for granted for far too long. Its ubiquity as the spark which ignited the golden age of gaming has overshadowed what a work of genius the game actually is. Yes, it was a whole bundle of firsts and it's important in all manner of ways, but there's a reason why it's Space Invaders and not, say, Gunfight that has endured. And that reason is this reason. Like the Beatles, or the Sex Pistols, or Star Wars, or the iPhone, it was in and of itself brilliant, not just for the time, but for all time. I've played so many old games that I remember fondly, and now I sort of come to expect them to be broken, straining at the restrictions of the hardware, or glitchy, or trying too hard to experiment, or just damned impossible. Space Invaders, much to my surprise, isn't like that. It works as well now as it did then. 
I might not necessarily agree, but I love the passion and uh, I approve of the sentiment. But let's see, what do we think of Space Invaders? Is there a version or a game that we'd recommend that people play uh, or what? Start with Carl as the baby of the group. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as, as the baby 34-year-old yeah, exactly. of the That's team. how it's coming. Yeah, um, it's <laughs> yeah. It's strange because the version I want to recommend is the Tati Arcade cabinet of a 1988 club with cigarette burns and tinted screens and on a sat down uh, cabinet kind of thing. And just that's not what you're going to be playing. You're going to be playing just the game on however... uh, hardware iteration you want to play whether it's on the pc or whether it's one of the newer releases or any of the ps1 releases but quintessentially what i describe space invaders to be is the very original uh horizontal scrolling bloop 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 kind of battering that button away in the arcade with the with the sound effects um and we've seen many iterations on it but for me that's the one that holds true it's not that the other versions aren't good or even great some of them truly are some of them do try too hard um and it's up to you whether or not you know that's for you such as infinity gene uh but for me i would recommend trying to play the original rom for space invaders and if you have an arcade stick, fight stick, anything like that, and you can get that working on the PC with the original ROM, then that's as close as you're going to get to how I remember Space Invaders being. And you know what? It is still brilliant to play. Thank you, Carl. How about you, Mikhail? What do you reckon? You can't really divorce Space Invaders from video games. Um, and that for that reason, I'd say if you have never played any version of it, maybe you should rectify that. Um uh, I'm not going to ask you to get into a ROM of the original game and play it uh, um, for more for very long uh, and for more reason than um, than just seeing what it was like. But there are a couple of uh, really good good versions still around. Uh, my favorite is uh, one of my favorites is maybe Space Invaders '95. It's a genuinely wonderful game, but maybe you won't get much of it if you haven't played uh, played the original first. Um, and of course, Space Invaders Extreme is a great version uh, to play, as I've uh, recently discovered. But it's also a very different game from the original. Um, yeah, I think you, if you are into uh, video games uh, and you, you like to go below the surface and you haven't played any version of it, I think you should really do that. Um, maybe you get absorbed by it, maybe you don't. I've recently, I've up until last year, if you would have asked me, uh, I wouldn't have bothered much with Space Invaders myself and I would have uh, told you to play Galaga instead. Mm. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, as I've recently discovered, there is there are quite some pronounced differences between those games uh, that make it a very different uh, experience, even within the minutia of single screen fixed shooters with alien formations uh, on uh, that need to be uh, cleared off the screen. So yeah, Space Invaders it's uh, it's an essential thing to experience at least once, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. I think if you like video games, you kind of owe it to yourself and the medium to have at least played 
a version of the original, the proper Space Invaders. Uh, how you do that, ideally, like Carl says, it would be uh, in an arcade. There are more and more retro arcades springing up uh, around, uh, you know, Britain and the UK uh, and America as well. So, and wherever you're listening to this, I imagine, hopefully. Uh, so hopefully that will become an opportunity. Um, main cab would do, but ideally the original ROM, with the original speakers and, or, you know, they'll, they'll have had some work done to them and whatever, but that is the way to play it. And even then there's no way that it can replicate what uh, those of us who are over 40 felt when we were there in the late 70s, having our minds blown by this pretty much you know not quite but almost brand new medium uh, this new form of entertainment where you could actually move things on a on a television screen and you could be you could be a space pilot you could be a uh, you know a man defending the moon from these uh, squid like aliens uh, you know once you were once you were locked in there and you had 10p riding on it even if it wasn't yours it was it was you know real and and i i absolutely along with a few other key texts i i absolutely credit space invaders for being a huge part of why video games have been the passion of of my you know pretty much my whole life up to this point as i say there's no way you can replicate that but seek out the game somehow do uh, get to understand, you know, just have a think about why it would have been so important in the same way as you might go to an art gallery and look at an old painting and go, yeah, okay, you know, I can see what, what they were getting at there. Um, I think I actually feel like with articles like uh, like Paul Rose's there and, and like with what McKeel's saying, I think maybe there's a growing reappreciation of actually Space Invaders as it's uh, as a game and as an experience beyond just, well, we, we moved past that like almost immediately because in some ways yes we did graphics got better games got faster etc etc but as we've i think we've touched upon there's something about the very nature of space invaders that is kind of timeless and let's conclude with our guest dan now we've, we've joked about it um being a sort of progenitor of uh, the, the modern cover shooter <laughs> but it wasn't until going back and playing it that really struck me that it, it is that yeah. um, the the real fundamentals of that gameplay are there it's yeah. it's um so i can't really say a whole lot more than you've said I, I totally agree that people ought to play the original at some point in their lives it's worth just even just a five minute go yeah but for me um i'm going to echo what mckeel said and uh and say that space invaders extreme for me i think mm. would be the one that i'd recommend to a modern audience if you've got um I think the PSP version is on the Sony store um, and it shines on the Vita screen. So oh, cool. either that or if you can get the cart for your 3DS, um, whack up your headphones and I think you'd get a, an idea of um, how it felt to people that would have been older than probably myself and Leon then. I think it's probably people that were in their teens then would be the people that it's most, yeah. uh, most aimed at maybe. Um, but just as... One little thing to uh, serve to the testament of the original design and how immersive that original game can still be. After all these years, I still get fooled by thinking that I can uh, double back and catch up with the UFO if I've missed it. <laughs> you know, and if, you're, if you're not moving in the right direction, that, like there might be a split second where you can. But I don't, again, I don't know if I'm just fooling myself here that that you can. But um, yeah, I will still get caught out by that, yeah. uh, by my belief that I can get the UFO when I know full well that that bullet cannot get to the top of the screen by the time it's got off. And then um, the fact that it can still do that all these years later uh, says speaks volumes to me. 
Wonderful. So thank you, everybody. It's been fantastic to revisit the legacy of <clears throat> the mighty 40-year-old Space Invaders. Not as old as me, but pretty old. Uh, and it remains for me, Leon, to thank Carl McKeel and our guest Dan Clark, as well as our correspondents, editor Sean, and to all of you for listening. And if you've enjoyed this podcast and the work we've put into it, please subscribe, rate, review, or even better, patreon.com slash rinse. Donate a dollar or more and get every podcast we release one week earlier and an exclusive monthly minicast. Next time, in issue 321, we, as the hapless Olimar, become the invader from outer space in our Pikmin podcast.